Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator, and I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Hi, this is Tom Scioli, creator of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics, and you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and reintroducing our guest, special guest on the other end of the tin can and string, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us and on them our social media. And, and he's got a book, so let's go. <laughs> Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Go on Twitter and Instagram at... The Marvelists. Go on Friendster. No. Go on <laughs> anyway. Finsta, baby. Go on our individual social media. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. Instagram and Twitter at Peter Melnick. And there's only one place in the whole wide, worldwide interwebs that you can find Mr. Eddie Wilson. That is on Instagram at... Eddie9193. I like how you do that. Eddie. Well, change of pace. Hey now. Unlike your rigmarole. Now, on top of that, you can find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, iTunes, yada, 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 YouTube. ice cream machines that are broken. We all tunes. Exactly. Okay. But yeah, if you want to know what other epi- what other sh- uh, platforms are on, just listen, listen to, to another episode. Yeah. Rawr, rawr. We yeah. should just pre-record that and say, insert plug here. Nah. Okay. That, so. John, you don't want to do that, right? You can also find us on all iOS and Android devices. On Stitcher Radio, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Let's see, what else do we got? We got Podbean and, you know, all those little uh, RSS or aggregators. But remember, go on iTunes where you can rate, review, subscribe, and sunny and share. And five star if you're ever so inclined. And remember, Eddie. All right, on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined with the author of GoBots, the author of the DC superpowers from the most recent uh, DC stuff. Um, grand Mer- Design. Uh, fanta- sorry. Fantastic <laughs> Four Grand Design, Transformers slash G.I. Joe. What else we got on there? American Barbarian, Godlands, and the big one, the big kahuna. 200 pages worth. Jack Kirby, the epic life of the King of Comics. We are joined with Tom Scholey. Tom? Welcome back. Hi, it's good to talk to you guys again. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I think things are going to get busier now that this is about to hit the stand, so to speak. Yeah. Now, first off, what was your main introduction to Kirby growing up? Well, growing up, uh, I mean, he, he was um, doing uh, uh, animation work for TV. So uh, I was just the right age where I was watching all the shows that he was working on. I, uh, you know, loved Thunder the Barbarian uh, and um, Goldie Gold and Action Jack, uh, Turbo Team, Mr. T. Uh, just like, those were like the, the Saturday morning shows I grew up with, and that, that's what he was doing at that time. I didn't know who he was. I didn't, you know, he wasn't like a huge presence on the show. You know, his name was just, you know, somewhere buried in, in the end credits. It was his work. Um, it had, you know, some of his stamps. You know, depending depending on the show, but 
um, you know, definitely like Sundog was the one where you could most see that sort of Kirby flavor. Um, and then um, I, I, I guess like the first like comic of his that I read would have been, um, there's like a Thor Treasury edition of um, the Man God story was kind of like, you know, uh, Ragnarok almost happens. That, that was like the first Kirby comic I got. And even then, I didn't, you know, I didn't recognize, like, oh, Jack Kirby, you know. It, I, I mainly recognize Stan Lee. It's like, oh, like, Stan Lee's name on here. I know Stan Lee as, as again, Saturday morning cartoons. He was the narrator of, uh, you know, the Incredible Hulk uh, cartoon and Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So I knew Stan Lee, and it's like, okay, this is a Stan Lee comic. And then, uh, you know, late when I was in college, that's when I got a real understanding of, like, who Jack Kirby is, what, what he did, you know, how important he was. Um, but so that was that was like my sort of slow, uh, you know, bit by bit introduction to his work. And in you know in recent memory, a lot of Jack's work has been seeing reprints. You know, you have the uh, king size Kirby editions over at Marvel, and you're the one that pointed me into the direction of that it's going to happen this year. The DC reprint, for example, of Forever People, which I have a pre-order mm-hmm. for, and all of those books are coming out and. One of the questions that we ended up, we filled some questions over at the Cartoonist Kayfabe ringside seats. Big shout out to all the guys over there. And this question comes from Ian MCM or McCum. DC is doubling down on Kirby, making trades with his name front and center. The absolute new gods with an illustration of him on the cover. Is it just deserving respect after all this time? Is there some cynicism that they're giving him a lot of respect they refused to while he was alive? And how does the corporate relevance of Kirby compare to the uh, to compare to, for example, the indie quality of the Kirby Collector or your book? Uh, I mean, DC, uh, in, you know, within Kirby's lifetime, uh, went a long way towards, um, you know, making good on maybe past, uh, past problems. Uh, when um, Jeanette Kahn and, and Paul Levitt came into, like, a, uh, a um, you know, executive you know, position at DC, they, they reached out to Jack Kirby, this would have been in, in the um, early 80s, they reached out to him and said, you know, we want to give you the creator participation uh, royalty um, deal that we give to, um, like, our current uh, artists and, and, and writers. Um, they wanted to give him, you know, some kind of participation in the new gods and the forever people and and Mr. Miracle, um, just, just, you know, because, because, you know, recognizing like his importance, uh, to their company and, and to comics in general and, 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 and sort of seeing, you know, what happened with Marvel and, and, and how he, he got, you know, no, you know, like nothing from Marvel other than the hourly wage, you know, they, or the, the uh, page rate that he made while he worked there. Uh, so, so they, um, and in order to justify this, they said, you know, we'll, you know, put out a new, um, you know, let you put out like a, a, an ending to New Gods, and um, and you can do some design work on these New Gods toys that we're making, and and you know, you'll be you'll be paid well for that design work, but then the, the big payday will be that you get some participation. So um, when they sell a Dark Side action figure, you get a piece of that. You know, uh, when they collect it. So I mean. As, as early as, you know, the, the early 80s, that's when DC, you know, mended expenses with, with Kirby and, and did, did right by him, you know, in a, in a huge way. Um, and the, um, when, when those um, New Gods 
you know, uh, reprint and, and the New Gods ending uh, of, of Hunger Dogs, like when they came out in the 80s, um, they, they didn't, uh, you know, perform the way DC would have hoped. So it kind of, you know, sort of came and went. Um, and, and it's just that um, over the years, the sort of the reputation of, of, of that fourth world work just continued to grow and grow. And, um, and like a hunger for it, and an audience for it kind of grew and grew. Some people like me who grew up with like the Super Friends cartoons where they started introducing Darkseid and, and, and um, Calabash and the Planet Apocalypse. And then um, uh, on into the 90s when they have the Superman, uh, Adventures of Superman cartoon where Orion and, and uh, you know, like the larger, you know, fourth world cast, Randy Goodman starts showing up and then into like the Justice League cartoon. So, um, you know, interest in these characters and that, and that world has only been growing and so, uh, you know, it, it kind of reached a critical mass. And, and then when they put out those, um, like, fourth world collections, I don't know how many years ago, maybe five, ten years ago, um, they, those, those did really well. Um, and, and so that, that was kind of the point where you know, Jack Kirby's fourth world was kind of established as kind of like a, like a sales force. Prior to that, it was like this sort of thing that was like beloved by by people in the know, by fans, you know, and, and a lot of people recognized it as Kirby's greatest work. But that was the first time it was like an unequivocal uh, financial success. So I, I think what we're seeing is an outburst of that. And then, um, I, I, it, you know, you can't ignore the fact that there a, a Jack Kirby New God movie is on the way. You know, it, it, it hasn't been filmed yet. It, you know, it, it's not in, in like full production, but it's, it's in the pipeline. So I think that's why we're seeing this, it really ramp, ramp up the, the you know, re-release of his stuff in, in various formats. And you mentioned his stuff with the Fourth World stuff. On a recent episode of uh, Cartoonist Kayfabe, you were talking about uh, the reading order. And I'm partially in agreement with you about this. The Jimmy Olsons. Yeah, yeah. They. Yeah. Uh... I mean, to, to, to me, to me, you know, Jack Kirby's Fourth World. It, it, you know, it's you know, like Lord of the Rings or something. It's just like epic, and it's when you have Forever People, New Gods, and Mister Miracle. Those together make this like wonderful story where like each chapter kind of like reflects off of the other, and then. Um, the the, the um, Jimmy Olsen stuff has characters and elements from that, and it was the first one to see print. It wasn't the first one Kirby worked on, but it was the first one to see print. So it, it it resonates with the fourth world, but I don't think it should be included in in any kind of reading order. I think it should be read separately. It should be like an adjunct. It's, it's like uh, the the new gods and 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 the the fourth world characters are sort of special guest stars in the Jimmy Olsen world. Uh, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's not, uh, you know, it, it would be, it'd be like including the superpowers comic strip, uh, comic book in with the new guy. It's like, it's, it's a, it's, it's such a, a strong, powerful work with those three core titles. And, and the Jimmy Olsen just to me dilutes it. And, and to me, it, it turns people off. Like, um, you know, like when you say like, Oh, like when I tell people, Oh, it's Jack Kirby's new God. Uh, forever people, you know, Mr. Miracle, it's my favorite stuff, it's the best Jack Kirby stuff, and then, you know, they get a hold of, you know, these collections, and then it's like the first thing in there is 
Jimmy Olsen and the uh, the newsboy leads, and it's like, what the, what the hell is this? What is, and, and then it goes on for like a couple of issues, and then we get you know Forever People number one, where like Darkseid comes to Earth, and and Superman has to choose between staying on Earth and fighting, or, or living in this uh, you know uh, city of super beings, and, you know the, the and you get you know new gods number one with you know the old gods died, and, you know like like it really you know starts cooking. And then it's like back to Jimmy Olsen, and okay, what's Jimmy Olsen doing now? Okay, he's uh, you know he's involved with this or that, you know he's uh, Don Rickles, Scotland, you know it's it's, it's just it's it, it's it's inappropriate. Like it's just it's such a downer, and and it's so clear to me that like Kirby didn't want that. You know he, he it's like okay, I'll I'll do Jimmy Olsen and I'll put my spin on it, but it wasn't it, it's not central to to this this mythology that he's building. And you know, from I'm after the interview you we had with you a few months back, you made me want to you know really explore the new god stuff again because I love his art, but like it's it's you have to reach a certain point. Like, can I get into this? Can I get into this? And after multiple tries, I'm like, I would do the reading orders online, and you know, you're mentioning the Jimmy Olsen stuff, like how it can kind of be a slog in there. That's the case where I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna do this. I read for myself. All of Jimmy Olsen. So I went through everything, even Goody Rickles. Then I went into Forever People. Then I went into New Gods. Now I'm currently up to uh, Mr. Miracle, getting ready to finish that all off and then going to Hunger Dogs. But what I want to know from you, which is the way you do it? Do you do the reading order where it's like, all right, I'm going to read a couple issues of New Gods, then I'm going to go into this, then I'm going to go into that, then back to this? Or do you do just a series at a time? Uh, I mean, most recently I did... Just a series at a time because uh, yeah, you know, like, I, you know, they just recently published New Gods that way and Mr. Miracle that way, and they're going to publish Forever People that way. And I was curious how they they would read as a unit because, uh, you know, when I discovered this work, I, it was just kind of like, oh, here's issue eleven of New Gods here, in a back issue bin. Here's issues four and five uh, collected in a Baxter reprint in the eighties, like. You know, it, it wasn't like you'd go to a store and, like, oh, I'll, I'll take, you know, one New God graphic novel, please. Like, you'd have to dig through bins and find whatever random issue you could and kind of read it that way and piece it together and, and read it out of order. Uh, so it was kind of pretty far into my Kirby fandom where I, like, finally was able to sort of sit down and, and read them in order. But, um, and, and so then very recently, since it's so easy and, and so handy and convenient, I, I read. Um, you know, New Gods in order and Mr. Miracle in order. And what I found reading New Gods in order was that, um, but I think it is like a very good way to read it. And, um, you know, you get this like really complete story. But I think um, the next time I read it, what I'll do is I'll read New Gods and then I'll read the um, the uh, Mr. Miracle backup stories of young Scott Free. Uh, which, you know, fills in a lot of, like, the, the apocalypse backstory and stuff, and then read, um, you know, New God 7, and then Mr. Miracle 9, and then uh, and then there's even, like, a Forever People, a backup story in Forever People about, like, young Orion, um, uh, you know, find it, like, it, uh, seeing, like, a horse, and then he, like, puts, it, puts his hand on the horse, and then the horse is, like, scared of him, and like, so put that in the mix. So, like, Read a couple of those things in the mix of of New God, and then you get, and then yeah, go to uh, even God Must Die, and then and then Hunger Dogs. 
you know, and, and then you get the book. But again, it's like, uh, you know, I do my own sort of like hack of, of the new gods also because I read, um, I read Hunger Dogs in a different order. I read it in the order that Jack threw it. it. It actually makes more sense if you read it in the order that Jack threw it. It's, it's almost, it's like three, Hunger Dogs is almost like three comics that Jack Kirby did. And then at the end, he just threw his hands up and then just like shuffled them all together like into one big story. But if, if you sort of extricate them, uh, you can, you can, you know, even in order, uh, they make way more sense. And but again, this is like some deep fan stuff. And some people go on saying that, you know, there are links to it, to Kirby's Fourth World. Where do you have Captain Victory lie in that? Oh, yeah, and, th- and then you would read Captain Victory after that, yeah. And, and, and just, like, I would just focus on the uh, Fourth World-specific Captain Victory issues, which I think are, like, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, yeah, I think those are, like, the ones that, you know. So, so yeah, that's, that's in the mix, too. It's out, talking about it is actually getting me kind of excited to like you know go through this sometime soon because it's it's it, it's been a while. But I love the fourth world stuff so much, uh, and, but I try not to burn out on it. You know, yeah. like, like when you really love it, like a, a, an album or something, you don't want to just play it too many times. You want to kind of so like I'll, I'll read that and then I'll read a bunch of other Kirby stuff and kind of get caught up in, in in that for a while. And then when I come back to the fourth world, it's like oh yeah, this is so great. And like you can see how it's like head and shoulders above. Rest. And there's there's just something about that run of all of that and like all of Kirby's stuff over at Pacific Comics, you know, that and Silver Star, which I just got my hands on the uh the hardcover from uh Image Comics reprinting all six issues and mm-hmm. I really wish you know, we had discussed it on the previous time you were on. I would love to see Captain Victory see the light of day in a new reprint because it's it's well deserving of that, you know? Oh, yeah, and, and I think that day will come. And I think, uh, you know, as, as this, like, fourth world stuff rolls out, uh, and then especially, you know, if the movie comes out and it's, you know, like a huge thing or whatever, just the fact that it's, that it's sort of, that Captain Victory is kind of adjacent to, to the fourth world will, will, you know, might might help too. But, yeah, it, it definitely exists. And I think, um, I think that was, like, next uh, on their plate at Image was after the Silver Star to um, the next next step was going to be to do a, a Captain Victory, and then it, it you know the um, you know the rights ended up uh, you know somewhere else, and, and, and so that fell through. But I think that was part of the plan. And you know, with uh, the Fourth World stuff, obviously we're a Marvel podcast, but this is something that anyone should get into. Yourself, why do you think a Marvel fan, for example, should read Kirby's Fourth World stuff? Well, I mean, first of all, he created, um, like, a lot of the concepts and stuff while he was still working at Marvel. And, and, and his plan was to introduce this as a Marvel comic, that, that, that it would have been, uh, you know, connected to Thor. It would have been, you know, you'd, you'd have, um, you know, uh, you'd have the Ragnarok, uh, the, the um, you know, Death of the Gods. Uh, in Thor, and then and then the new gods would be sort of born out of that, and and and, and Kirby has sort of envisioned it almost as like one of these like crisis on infinite Earth type events, you know, decades before those you know things like that became commonplace. But he he wanted to, you know, just sort of kill off the Marvel universe as we know it, and then have have, have you know this this new universe uh, come about, and um, 
fan wasn't into that, you know, that general idea of, you know, hey, let's let's fill up a bunch of really popular characters that are doing great, and then start a bunch of new characters that are unproven. So, so that was a non-starter. And then also, as you know, Kirby started to see um, that, like, you know, the things that he was creating there weren't being, uh, you know, he wasn't being like rewarded for them the, the way um, Martin Goodman had, had sort of, you know, promised him. He began withholding you know, these ideas and just sort of held on to them and, you know, saved them for a rainy day. And then that rainy day was, you know, when he uh, was thinking about leaving Marvel and then sort of showed these concept sketches to, to, um, to, uh, uh, Paul Mann and Santino and then, and then, you know, jumped ship to DC and, and did it there. But, uh, you know, the new gods, um, I, I mean, Marvel is the house that Jack built. Like Marvel, the Marvel Comics aesthetic is the Jack Kirby aesthetic, and um, this this is like a, a continuation of that and and, and, a, and a building on. I I see it as as you know like a complete work, and um, you know it, it it sure as hell feels way more like a Marvel comic than, than like a DC comic. Mm. Um, I think I think Tom, in respect to this book, which hits the stands July fourteenth, and uh, thank you again for helping us get advance copies and, and foresight into this uh, and maybe it was covered the last time we spoke to you but we're getting up to the release and the question is how long from the beginning of thinking you know somebody should I don't know if anybody has done a Jack Kirby what could be an autobiography or a biography or just just comes close to it you know how long did this take to get to where we are now with it yeah I mean it's like going by that account it's like you know, decades, you know, it was, you know, when I first started, you know, learning about Kirby, you know, it was like, oh man, you know, has somebody done this? You know, and it's like, okay, no, nobody has has done, like, the, the comic, you know, has Kirby done his autobiography? You're like, okay, nobody's, you know, he hasn't done it, nobody's done it, somebody's got to do it. Hey, maybe I could do it. You know, and, and, and of course, it's like, oh no, I couldn't do it. You know, uh, you know and, and then, you know, flash forward, you know, many years later, uh, but, so I mean, you, you know, it, it, you know, going back that far, but but as far as like really seriously like sitting down and like putting this thing together, it's you know probably been like at, at least three years of like you know real um, like active production. It may, maybe earlier than that, but like it's you know it's it's one of those things I always I always wanted to read, uh, and then it didn't exist, so I always wanted to do it. You know, it's, it's, which. You know, it's how a lot of my things are. It's like, oh, I wish such and such a thing existed. Oh, it doesn't? Okay, I guess I'll make it now. Well, I guess, too, on the back that it says comics and graphic novel biography, and I think appropriately so for graphic, because there, there is another term of graphic, and this could almost smack of needing a parental advisory because of some language <laughs> and because of some content, especially in the war stuff, World War II stuff. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, there, there, if there was like a, a question of like, you know, oh, because like you know Kirby would uh, swear a lot. You know, he used a lot of uh, you know salty language, and it's like, okay, do we, you know, what do we do with that? And and to me, it was like, you, you know, you got it. Like that's a piece of the Jack Kirby story. Like it's it's a surprise. It's a surprise. Like people who knew Jack Kirby as a sort of Unassuming, calm, quiet—you know, you know, old gentleman who, who was, you know, very polite with his fans. You know, in real life, I mean, he he 
you know, he posts a lot, you know, and, and uh, it's like, I feel like I'd be doing a, a disservice to not, you know, share that, that aspect of him. Like, I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just, you know, part of his story. So like I made that decision to like, yeah. And, and some of those things, like the thing of, uh, you know, like with Stan Lee where Jack Kirby's like, if I ever see that fucking guy again, I'll kill him. Yeah. Like that, um, that, that's like a quote, you know, Joe Simon says that that's what Jack Kirby said, you know, after they got fired. Uh, at Marvel back in the 40s with Jack Kirby, you know, and it's like, that is a very powerful quote of, uh, you know, Jack Kirby saying about somebody who would be his, like, future collaborator on, you know, uh, his, like, most successful, most, most uh, you know, widely known work to say that, you know, like, how do I not, how do I not put that in, you know, and it just loses something if I put some, like, stars and twiggles and whatnot, you know. Like, this is, like, I wasn't pulling any punches. Like, like, no, exactly, pulling, pulling not pulling any... Yeah, and you're telling it as real as you possibly can do it, and what goes along with that, I think, is is the fact that if you didn't tell it that way, then it wouldn't be as real or as... And I don't want to sound negative about some of the, the words I want to say here, but it's it reads to be, in, in a lot of cases, um, d- down or dark. I don't want to say depressing, but that's the level of, of reality or realism that, that the man went through, so... You know, when you see the subtitle of the epic life, don't mistake it for all you know, flowers and roses or whatever. It's it's not. And uh, it's hell, I, damn ass. It just took. I just didn't realize, and I'm sure others who picked this up are not going to realize how much he went through. That before, not to get the the recognition, but you know, there's so many things that he didn't get, not necessarily credit, but but paid for and i'm not just talking about the, the books and the animated shows as well and even something where i've read later about uh, drawing a new superman a comic book but then no the higher-ups decided to change their mind and i guess ultimately they have the right to but you know what the hell why'd you got why yeah why'd you bring the guy in there in the first place if you're just gonna change up what he was doing yeah so, I mean, some people say that um the kind of had more to gain by taking Jack away from Marvel than by bringing Jack to DC. You know, there was, yeah. it was almost like an act of sabotage. Now, I, I mean, I don't think that that was what was on, um, you know, Clement and Santino's mind. I, I don't think that's what was on, uh, um, you know, uh, the name escapes me right now, but he was, he was the, the, uh, the head guy at, at, at DC who was, uh, you know, friends with Kirby. Um, get his name, but 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 some of the editorial, like some some of the editors within, uh, you know, DC were very hostile, like like openly hostile towards Jack Kirby and Marvel, and just like really, you know, just thought that Marvel stinks, Jack Kirby stinks, and and you know, like wh- what are we doing bringing him here? But uh, Carmine was like a huge fan of Kirby, he was a friend of Kirby. He uh, Kirby was his mentor, you know, he worked under Kirby. Uh, early in his career, so uh, like I don't, I don't, you know, I don't attribute any dark motive uh, to you know Clement bringing him over, but but there is like DC had a very complicated uh, editorial culture uh, that um, you know sort of you know dated back to like you know Morton Weisinger and so a lot of mind games, a lot of uh, um, you know just like manipulation and and, and bullying. Uh, but, you know, and, and, and that kind of culture endures, uh, you know, even even when you maybe remove 
you know, the person or, or people who maybe originated that culture, it, it tends to sort of seep into into these institutions and, and you know live on live on beyond that. Are there certain there's certain things I want to bring up that didn't go anywhere, but that are mentioned in the course of, of the book, uh, starting with Super Sherlock and yeah. um, Inky, the comic strip artist who solves crimes. Uh, later on, it's the the idea he starts of a uh, Wonder Woman cartoon, and apparently none of these go anywhere. Do you think at some point, maybe as a result of this book, that there could be something the 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 unpublished works of Jack Kirby? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Super Sherlock, um, I've seen no, you know, artwork of it or anything. Like, like it may not have gotten further than just, you know, the name. Hey, Super Sherlock, let's do it. You know, so like, who knows what's out there? Um, I've, I've seen a bunch of the uh, conceptual drawings that, that Jack did for the Wonder Woman uh, cartoon. You know, which would have been in the '80s, and and yeah, they were great. I mean, there's like a Hawkman one also. Uh, you know, equally amazing. Uh, you know, because when somebody worked at Ruby Sears, they'd be like, okay, we're thinking about trying to pitch a uh, Wonder Woman cartoon. Jack, go home and, and draw a bunch of Wonder Woman draw. And, and then he'd, you know, come back with, you know, a stack of, like, illustration board or whatever of, of you know, all the, it's like him just, like, riffing on, on, on Wonder Woman. And then Inky uh, actually did end up getting published. Like, he started it as a comic strip, and then, like, later on, uh, Inky showed up in like one of Simon and Kirby's comics, uh, you know, that they did in like either the late '40s or the early '50s. I, I, I forget, I forget which. Mm-hmm. But Inky did end up seeing the light of day. You know, didn't 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 really you know become anything. But but Inky did see the light of day. But there's so many unpublished, you know, un, unfinished, you know, Kirby symphonies that that you know with the right treatment you, you could you could do something. And, and and people have. I mean, that was what the top. Uh, Kirbyverse was it was you know Jack sent them just like a stack of unused uh, uh, and in some cases used uh, characters and concepts and, and you know said hey hey do with it what you will. I think though the way the course of the book unfolded and through a timeline and I had heard about the different genres of comic book themes and styles that you did justice by showing how the war was over. And it was time to get out of the superheroes. They were they were waning in sales and so on. So, and I think to Jack's credit, he adapted well to maybe not preferring a certain type of comic. Like I don't think he was big on horror, but he he did young romance and young love. Uh, then came the western stuff and the part where he, I think Boys Ranch, uh, four issues and and that was it. Then the little brief stint into well maybe not as brief into horror, uh, 3D comics, but that was just this little fad. And and then the Spider-Man thing that turned into the Silver Spider. So, I think there was a lot of adaptability. He was willing to do a lot of different things. Uh, again, to to his credit. Well, he was like, okay, what are we doing today? You know, it's it, you know he was he was there to do his job and tell his story. Um, and 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 he would bring you know, you know his full range of of talent to whatever it was. And I think working on that range of genre certainly. You know, um, laid the foundation for his later work, his mature work, because the Marvel stuff and, and the, the DC uh, Fourth World stuff has like this range of genres that it covers. It's superhero, but there's there's romance in it, and there's uh, mythology in it, and and it's, it's sci-fi and it's political. It's you know, it's just like all these you know different things that that come together uh, in a way that only can if you spent 
you know, decades uh, working in these various genres. But looking at Kirby's earliest stuff, looking through his career, he, he worked in a range of genres, but it's like when he was doing sci-fi, you could tell that that's the stuff that really spoke to him, that he really, like, that's what he really loved. He really loved the sci-fi stuff, and, and it's like, that always had a little something extra, just because, mm. because that was, that, that's like, that was his, his true love. That was the thing that Jack Kirby was a fan of. Jack Kirby was a super fan and a collector of, you know, science fiction magazines. That, that's the stuff that turned him on, you know, and uh, the, the same way people are, you know, fans of comic books. He, that's what he was a fan of. I think you got to get some recognition too, Tom, and some credit in the course of the book that most of the uh, the word boxes in the narrative of who's speaking is in a yellow background. That would be Jack. Uh, there's a couple of pages I think where it's blue to represent Stan talking, and in the in the period of time that coincides right before the two of them actually first met, and then for a little bit, I think two different instances, it's a pinkish or purplish of um, his Roz. wife Roz talking about it, and um, I think that subliminally helps. With, with the storytelling that you're reading, you're getting the visual, oh, this is somebody else relating what's happening now. Yeah, I tried to have, like, sort of visual cues. I, I thought that it was important to get a couple other voices, and those, those were, like, the key voices, but, you know, uh, uh, Rod Kirby, who was, you know, Kirby's partner uh, in every imaginable way, uh, you, know, the, you know, his real, uh, you know, partner, you know, like, like Joe Simon had his role to play, and, and, and and Lee had his role to play, but Seth Roz is like the, the true uh, partner to, to Jack Kirby. And then, and then of course, you know, Stan, like Stan uh, was, you know, such an important part of Kirby's, you know, most successful, most well-known work. Uh, you know, the, the, the reason why, uh, you know, Jack Kirby is sort of like known as, as, this, as this, you know, cultural force is, is you know, largely the work that he did with Stanley and 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 because uh, you know that you know Jack when you're telling Jack's side of the story uh, you know Stan doesn't come across very well so I thought you know to, to take a balance I, I needed to you know let let Stan have his moment and, and you know sort of tell his his side of, of the story too for a little bit and you know like you said those sort of visual cues to kind of let you know uh, but not like hit your head over it and then um, you know after like in the course of the narrative after Jack Kirby dies, then I have to sort of come up with like another way of sort of changing the, the look of, of the book to let you know that, okay, now we're in, you know, this sort of um, epilogue, you know, sort of mm-hmm. talking about like, you know, his, his, um, his legacy. One thing I just want to point out too about the way the book is laid out, and I, I can't think of which came first, whether it's the grand design format that you decided you wanted to adapt the way you wanted to portray Jack's story in the book, but most of the, well, most of the entire book is laid out in six-panel format, every every page except for the last three pages, which break it down into like 12 panels, and I essentially got that it's all credits, because here's everything after Jack passes in 94, and recognizing that, and then the very last page with just two panels of Jack himself, almost larger than life, but, but st- I think it was a great way to do it, just have those two panels and him speaking directly to the reader and saying, look, I'm gone, or you can still find me if you just look into this and I'm going to be there. So I think it ends on a really upbeat note, but um, I guess what I'm getting at is what's the idea for doing that grand design format if folks are familiar with the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, and that 
and that kind of layout. I have to say real quick, Eddie, you made it sound like a uh, AM Gold style thing. I'll always be there. That's exactly right. I'm a radio guy. Casey Kasem. Yeah. <laughs> keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Just don't talk about the dog. Stop it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, the, the six-panel grid was, like, that was Kirby's bread and butter. I mean, you know, early on, he did a lot of experimenting uh, with, with, you know, panel size and panel layout in, in, in the, you know, late 30s and, and the 40s, and, and then um, kind of, like, got into the six-panel rhythm that, like, pretty much defined the, the majority of his career. And then in the 80s, you know, his, his, his last work, Starts going back to, to, to the experimentation and, and the weirdness of, of you know panel size and, and whatnot that he that he did at the beginning of his career. So it's almost like bookended by like these like weird panel designs, but then then the bread and butter is like that six panel grid. So like that that worked for me. Like it was just, it was just the right shape. Uh, you know, it, it it gets you in a curvy rhythm, and it it that shape is real good. It kind of gives you like like a you know it's like wider than a square, and you got room for like. Mm. You know, some captions, some dialogue. Have a little, you know, panoramic scene. Like it just, it just, it just worked. You know, it, so I went with that. The grand design layout is like very different. The grand design is like was like a five by five grid, um, which yeah. is like a grid I don't think anybody's ever worked in. I mean, like uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there are some examples here, but it's not, it's not like a, a widely used. It's not something you usually see in comics. It maybe like um, Chris Ware. Somebody you might see that from he he you know tends to do these like layouts with like a, an insane number of panels, uh, but yeah that and that was um, uh, you know that accomplished a couple of things. I wanted it to feel kind of like like a newspaper mm. kind of thing, have like a newspaper rhythm and and, and emphasize the reading uh, rather than sort of like a poster like quality that you can kind of get with with kind of like flashier um, uh, you know like last pages and things like that. I wanted to get you in a rhythm. And then also, I just had a lot of ground to cover in uh, 80 pages. I had to tell, like, the whole story of the Fantastic Four. So it's like, okay, uh, you know, um, like I was thinking, oh, four by four. It's the Fantastic Four. I'll do four by four panels, uh, and it'll be kind of like Dark Knight Returns. But if I had four by four panels, but it's like, okay, this isn't cutting it. This is, I am not going to be able to fit all the information mm. I need to fit in this way. So I, I went, I you know, went, went, went big with the five by five and then when you get the occasional half splash page it looks like it's like a massive double page splash because you've got in this rhythm of, of these, these uh you know smaller panels and you know going back to the book with the stan lee portion one moment in jack's history that you end up covering is that infamous radio interview and <laughs> i recently listened to the interview in full and I want to know the thought process behind the radio DJs that thought, golly gee, let's bring Stan on there. And from my perspective of listening to this, it annoyed me so much. And I love Stan, but he hijacked the interview and made it all about him. And it it just rubbed me the wrong way. And you just hear that through Jack's responses as well. And of course, the infamous, hello, Stanley. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's some, it, it kind of tells you a lot about their relationship and, and where they were at that point and, and how different they are. I mean, yeah, like, I don't, I don't know what the motivations were of, of the DJs. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, maybe, you know, they were kind of pulling a prank or something. But, but I, you know, I think it's also possible 
you know, we sort of have this, you know, like, like, uh, uh, you know, um, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis or something, you know, like, I think the fandom wanted to believe and, and had this belief that, that Jack and Stan were best pals and, and, you know, partners and, and like, and like to team them up again. Oh, they'd be so happy to see each other and, and not knowing, you know, all the, the underlying, you know, resentments and, and, and strife underneath, you know, like we kind of have this, like, uh, this wish that like, you know, these, um, you know, creative partners who, who we, um, you know, we like idolize, you know, their work and then we kind of idealize what, what their, you know, working, uh, relationship, you know, might have been like, but, but yeah, it's, it's great radio. Like, uh, well, know, that's I, it. That's where I'm I coming from. It. I was first thinking that the DJ didn't know what was going on between these two guys, but then thought, oh, this would be great for our radio station ratings and all that kind of stuff. Let's, let's really get them together and see what happens. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's uh, highly recommended, uh, you know, to listen to it. I think, um, you know, there, there was a point, you know, there, there was a, a point where Jack Kirby couldn't stand Stan Lee, and then there was a point where they worked really well together, and, and I think they genuinely enjoyed each other's company, and, 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 and Jack was really into it. And then there's a point where it went wrong, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Kirby was very, you know, turned off by that, you know, felt very, you know, betrayed and, and sort of, uh, you know, wanted nothing to do with, with Stan. And, and then it was like that for a lot of years. And, uh, you know, towards the end of their life, toward the end of, at the end of Kirby's life, you know, there, there were overtures made towards making peace. And, and I think they did, you know, they had, they had, you know, like a, like a, a nice moment or two, uh, you know, towards the end of Kirby's life. But it was, you know, it, it you just couldn't, you know, you couldn't go back to that, to that, uh, to whatever like honeymoon they might have, you know, briefly had. I really can't believe I'm making this comparison, but for the fans out there that would know this, this the uh, Lee and Kirby relationship is pretty much Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. Where towards the end of uh, Randy Savage's life, they both hated each other, but eventually they made amends, and it's the exact same thing. And that's the end of this anecdote. It was really pointless and. Here we are. You tie wrestling into comics again. <laughs> well, it's well, cartoonist kayfabe. Okay. Anyway. Hashtag or not. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> wow. And I just I find the whole thing funny with that relationship that Jack and Stan had, and it's it's very. Uh, I would say like you know the last word on everything was Stan goes and says we made amends, and did they really? I I hope they did. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, like who who knows? For sure. I I think. Um, I mean, Stan seems like somebody who like really, really wants the approval of others, and I think he really like he you know he has his flaws and things. He really wanted Jack's approval, uh, and and you know Jack just wasn't you know he wasn't going to just you know give that out uh, you know without you know Stan maybe you know, admitting to, to some things that, that he'd done wrong and, and, you know, Stan's willing to do this or that, but, but, you know, wasn't, wasn't, you know, quite willing or, or able, or, or maybe he just, you know, saw things, you know, entirely different than Jack did. It just, you know, it just, it just wasn't going to happen. And you look at the, like the relationship they had at the beginning when, you know, he was, uh, uh, Goodman's nephew, you know, working at the, uh, at the company and it's, Stan Lee is just this obnoxious kid. He's like, you know, 19, 20 something years old. 
And then there's this guy a few years, you know, I think, like, how old was uh, their age difference, him and Jack? It, oh. it wasn't great. It was maybe, like, five years, I think. I, th- I think, like, Kirby was in his 20s and, and Stan was, like, 15. But there's still that. It, it, it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't a huge difference. But, I mean, it's a huge difference when you're in your 20s and then this guy's a teenager. That's yeah. a huge difference. But when, you know, you're, you know, 44 and the other guy's 39 or whatever, you know, it's not... You know, it's not so much of a difference anymore. Yeah, and there's, but there's like that element where, like, you know, Stan's running around playing the flute or the ocarina, and it's just driving, you know, Jack and Joe crazy. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting journey. I mean, I mean, it's like I I think a lot of people who who maybe aren't aware of of this story are gonna be kind of you know shocked by it, you know, to see because uh, we know we know sort of the, the Stan Lee uh, character, you know, who's like very well defined, but to see like you know. The, the origins and, and 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 the way his and his and Kirby's you know paths uh, cross and and diverge and and then, and then recross. It's I mean I like I love I love that. And one moment that you have in the story of all of this that I don't think anyone ever talks about, but you mentioned in there, and I didn't it didn't even dawn on me was Roy Thomas talking to Jack in the 1970s. You know, while Jack is finishing up his DC run, and Roy is upset because he was parodied in Mister Miracle Number Six mm. with the oh so now culturally culturally inappropriate House Roy, which yeah that that don't fly anymore, and just something like that, and you just see that you you frame that moment of awkwardness between the two of them so perfectly, like you just feel the. Oh yeah, there was. Oh, I'm sorry, Roy. <laughs> yeah, the the long, uh, you know, pause. You between, feel it, you know, between like words. And, yeah, um, I mean, and that that's a story that Roy Thomas told, and and you know that that uh, yeah, like Jack was you know wanted to come back to Marvel possibly, and was kind of floated and wondered what was going on, you know, and and yeah, like and and you know, Roy was like, well, you know, you you kind of like made fun of me in your comic and it's okay. Like it's, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big boy and you know, we didn't really know each other that well. So it's not that big deal. But Stan is like really hurt about, you know, about a uh, funky flash man, you know, like, like you really skewered him. In comics. So uh, if there's any um, obstacle to you coming back to Marvel, that would be it. But I'll, you know, I'll talk to Stan and see what the, Stan was like overjoyed again. Like I said, he, he really, like he really wanted Kirby's approval and 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 the thumbs up and and from from Kirby like he really I I think he he I mean he was a huge Kirby fan he looked up to Kirby and and you know really you know wanted uh, you know really wanted his approval and so when when Jack was like saying about come back it's like oh you know Stan was like Jack you never should have left you know with like like I, like I love you baby you know that, that kind of thing. and like the thing is it's. Uh... It, when you mention again, you know, like he wants his approval, he wants this. It's like the younger underclassmen trying to get the attention and approval of the cool senior. You know, it's that. Like, yeah, those, I mean, those relationships never quite change. You know, like uh, you know, Stan Lee was Jack's boss. Like he was, he was the uh, editor in chief, and, and and Jack Kirby was a freelancer. But yeah, he like it, he was still you know the guy who was you know. You know, you you never quite rid yourself of that of that feeling. Like, oh yeah, this, this you know, this is the guy who I you know worked under. Uh, you know, like Joe and Joe and Jack, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby were the uh, comics 
department at, at, at Marvel, you know, for a little while. And, and Dan, you know, was there, was there gopher, you know? And it, it's, just, it's a wild experience, the whole story. And in addition, we also have some other questions in this episode. One of which we ended up getting a really excited comic book fan to ask you a question. You might've heard of him. His name's Rob Liefeld. And his question to you is, in the free comic book day issue of Transformers slash G.I. Joe, it's super violent regardless of the influence. Snake Eyes has his face blown off point blank. How did you get that past Hasbro and IDW, especially since they're licensed properties? Yeah, I mean, it was tough. I mean, uh, all of the, you know, anything that was like tough goings with with Hasbro, uh, the person who would move those things out was John Barber, who uh, I, you know, was the, the co-writer on the book. He, like, a big part of his job was, you know, talking to Hasbro and saying, look, let me explain this to you, because, uh, you know, like, I was pushing for some really extreme stuff, and, and you know, and he would, like, it, it would fall on him to kind of, you know, uh, negotiate with them, and, and I mean, he had been working with them for I think like seven years at that point, uh, doing you know um, Transformers comics and things, so they had a relationship with him. They had a level of of trust with him and um, and friendship, I'd say too. Where I was like the new guy, so it's like you know, and and, and so he really, um, you know, he fought those those battles uh, for me. I didn't like like and 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 you know, shielded me from those too, so I could just be like sort of purely creative. He would. He would, you know, fight those battles. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, um, you know, tough going for a little bit. Like especially in the beginning, it was like a tough sell to get Hasbro on board for this like sort of crazy thing. And uh, you know, there were a couple of close calls where it like it was like, oh, maybe this comic isn't going to happen. But but like yeah, yeah, John kind of like uh, negotiated those, those that that storm, uh, and, and and we got through it. And and then after that, things were pretty smooth. And then. Occasionally there'd be another one, and and uh, and yeah, it would be like an hour long phone call that he would have to do with with you know uh, the representative at Hasbro of explaining like okay why it's important that Snake Eyes uh, you know severs um, uh, uh, Billy's uh, you know uh, arm and and leg during the fight and how it's a reference to this comic and how it, it plays out this and that you know so so I, yeah it, it was. You know, it was it was John Barber, and and with uh, superpowers, uh, it was um, Gerard Way. Like Gerard Way was the one who would have to have some like uncomfortable, you know, conversations with DC editorial to kind of like, okay, here's here's you know why you know this 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 and that. You just mentioned Gerard Way with the Young Animals imprint. Young Animals, as far as I can tell, is almost done as an imprint, isn't it? Like they're ending. Yeah, it now? I. I, I the, the uh, yeah, like the Doom Patrol final issue, I think came out, and then I, I think there's like one more book. Star Spectre um, has is, is maybe has like another issue or so to go. But yeah, it's it's um, you know it's, it's, it's yeah coming coming to a close. That pisses me off so much because huh. Young Animals was the new Vertigo. It was everything I loved about yeah. Vertigo and then some. And DC gonna DC. That that's my opinion. No one else is just mine, but. Mm-hmm. And then Black Label's not going to be... Uh, I'm done rambling. Um, well, uh, oh God, I, was if, say, if there's, I don't know if there's any more other questions coming in, but 
with respect to and things getting changed up, change of plans, whatever. Um, with respect to the book coming out, I don't know if there were plans or maybe they're going to be delayed. If it if it takes off as well as we hope it does, would there be a little bit of a book tour, book signing? Because I would I would go locally and, and get it signed. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the book tour, like yeah, yeah, uh, you know because of you know coronavirus, it, uh, you know there was going to be a, a huge book tour and and. I was going to go to San Diego Comic Con, and and then you know, coronavirus happened, and 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 so all that stuff scrapped. Like like I would I would have been doing that you know the past like month or so, and continue you know another month or so. But yeah, so there's you know that that scrapped. Um, uh, I um, I uh, I'm doing like a like a small signing at, at like my local store, uh, Phantom of the Attic, uh, Oakland. Uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, doing a signing, you know, on, the, on the, the day the book comes out. But but that's it. Like I'm, you know, it, you know nobody's going anywhere. So yeah. I'm not yeah. planning any travel for this. If, if you know, you know, some opportunity opens up and you know everything's safe and and, and wonderful again, you know, I'll come. You know, and it makes sense. I'd, I'd you know be happy to do that. But yeah, yeah you're up for it. Okay, good. That's what I wanted to know. Yeah. So how and when, uh, well, we know when, but how uh, is it being made available to the general public then? Uh, it's, uh, I mean, um, it's available at comic book stores. It's available at, uh, at bookstores. It's, uh, you know, available on, you know, various online, uh, you know, ordering platforms. You know, it's the same way you get anything, you know, this this. This is, uh, you know, it's available through through every imaginable channel. Oh, great! It's as opposed to it only being available through X, Y, but not Z. You know, right? No, yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you know, get it. You know, whatever whatever your preferred delivery method is. I mean, I, I recommend you know local. You know, go with you know your local uh, yeah. comic book store, your local bookstore. But uh, yeah, you can get it. You know, whatever way makes sense to you, the reader. And on originally the book was supposed to have a uh, teaser for Free Comic Book Day, and obviously, yeah. yep, that happened. And one of the things about that was, first off, they just released the uh, Free Comic Book Day, uh, I guess, preview for Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney's mm-hmm. uh, Firepower. Is there going to be? Is it going to see release? And was it any different, or was it just like a sample, a couple pages of the book, or something completely new for it? Yeah, it'll. Um, it will. Light of day. I think it's supposed to come out in September. Uh, I mean, and, and again, yeah, that's another thing that got you know, Free Comic Book Day got scrapped, and it's unfortunate because this was going to be a big part of Free Comic Book Day, and it would have been this like nice. It was. It, it, it isn't anything that's not in the book. It was a sample of the book. It was. It was you know, a, uh, you know, fifteen or so pages of the book, a really nice segment of the book, uh, you know, which you know has like you know, young Stanley and stuff. It, it 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 was a really nice little little sliver of the book, and it would have been amazing to have you know lots of people get to you know check out a free a free sample of the book. But but yeah, it's it's uh, it's not going to happen. So so yeah, that that'll come out in uh, in September. Uh, yeah, you'll be able to get your free uh, free sample if you haven't already checked out the book by then. And let me just quickly pull it up. We got a when we ended up uh, sending the post on. Uh, the cartoonist kayfabe ringside seats we got an overpouring of questions and i really really appreciated that so 
Let's see what we got in here. Going to stall for time, John, or uh, Eddie. Who? What is it, old guy on the other side of the microphone? Yeah, okay. Sing right. for the people, uh, Eddie. Sing for the people, jeez. I think it's a great uh, culmination of a lot of work on your part, Tom, and anybody else involved in this. I think it's definitely recommended reading. If you go back and remember names like Stanley, of course, and Jack Kirby, who should you know be now with this, I think, rising to an equal uh, comprehension or understanding of of the name, if nothing else, uh, it does show a lot of character about this this person who you might not have um, gotten an impression of, at least for myself, seeing uh, some random picture of Jack and not sure if he was dark, brooding, quiet, reserved, or maybe unapproachable. But it sounded like no, he was a warm person and definitely someone you could talk to. He and it did come through in the book towards the end where he would be kind of coaching or offering advice to other aspiring younger artists and writers and stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, definitely to to his fans, he was, uh, you know, he was extremely grateful, uh, you know, and warm towards anybody who, you know, uh, you know, enjoyed his work, you know, was was interested, remembered him, you know, took notice of his work. He was uh, he he was always extra, um, you know, ex- extra kind to his fans, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know. Um, other, you know, sort of complicated emotions that every, you know, human being has. Uh, he, his fans were never subject to that. They, they you know, um, you know, people really, uh, you know, people who met Kirby would, would sort of come away with these, like, you know, great stories. And I just want to say to add, to, to finalize to that, when I first saw Jack's artwork, it's something that I'd seen other places. I wasn't warmed up to it at the beginning, but I did come to recognize what his artwork looked like and whatever character it might have been i'm like wait that's jack kirby you know i recognize it and i'm not usually too good on that especially at the beginning of of collecting and so on but you know it's definitely recognizable i don't know that anybody has tried to imitate or come close but yeah i think it's it's his own distinctive stuff yeah and and it's, it's interesting because it is like when you're like first encountering his work you just kind of get these like little glimpses and impressions it's kind of like okay wow the way that guy's eyes are drawn yeah. hmm, that's interesting and then and say like, oh you know magneto's helmet hmm that you know that's an interesting helmet design and then it you know you accumulate a number of those things and they all start to come together and it's like oh wait a second this is jack kirby this is the jack kirby aesthetic and we got two questions in the cartoonist kayfabe ringside seats uh one from eric j peterson he's got two so we're gonna go with both what is an aspect of Kirby's work that you think is not talked about enough? And when people ask you where to start with Kirby's work, where do you point them? Is it different for kids or adults? Yeah, I mean, the, the starting point I point to is, you know, like the fourth world. So, like, start with, you know, the new gods, you know, number one. Or, you know, start with this, like, new gods uh, trade paperback they, they have. You know, start with Mr. Miracle, number one. Start, you know, and then the forever people, you know. That's a good starting point, that, that, and that, that's sort of like my frustration with those collections that, that include Jimmy Olsen, because I would not tell somebody, oh, the first thing you got to check out is Jimmy Olsen, uh, you know, Jack Kirby's first Jimmy Olsen. I would not send them there. Like, that, that stuff, uh, you know, I'm a huge Jack Kirby fan, and it, it took me a while to, like, warm up to that stuff. That stuff is not, that's not for the uninitiated. It's, it's not, it's not uh, terribly welcoming. There, there's a lot of, you know, hurdles and challenges. Uh, you have to get over. I'm um, gonna guess you're not uh, I mean, super. Or I'm gonna guess you're not Jimmy Olsen's pal, are you? 
No, I mean, that stuff's good. Like, it's good. It's all right. But it's not in the same class as, as you got Mr. Miracle or Forever. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, you know, just, just that's, that's just how it is. Um, uh, yeah, and, and then uh, the other part of the question, uh, I mean, the, the part of, you know, Jack that's most overlooked, I think, is, is obviously, like, his, his, Jack Kirby, the writer. You know, uh, uh, you know, pe- people, you know, can sing the praises of like Jack Kirby's artwork, and then maybe even sing the praises of like his visual storytelling, uh, his his plotting. But I mean, I like he's like to me, he's got like the full package of the writer, like like the the the, the plot, the characters, the story, and then even the dialogue. The dialogue is probably like the most universally criticized aspect of Kirby's work, but I think I, I think you know he's got a style and he's got like a rhythm and and uh, a way he does language that that is, is just like you know it's it's really wonderful and it, and it really works and it and it it works so well as like part of this like whole whole package he's doing and and, and um, it's it's like got its own poetry and its own language and and, and um, I, I think that that's the part that that'll be that's maybe like the last part of Kirby's body of work that'll get like the full uh, you know the full appreciation that'll that'll be like the, the final phase of, of you know Jack Kirby taking over the world is, is uh, when, when like the writing just like just the, the wordsmithing um, uh, gets gets uh, you know the respect it deserves now I think this is this is gonna be a question that's gonna close out the interview and it comes from John Rossetti what is it about Jack Kirby's work and his life story that makes it so important to us today? Well, the, there's just like the sort of very obvious thing that like um, this, this body of work that dominates the current popular culture, this sort of you know, Marvel Universe, uh, the Avengers, uh, Infinity War, all that kind of stuff, is you know, at least 50% Jack Kirby created so 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 that's extremely relevant that, that this this like you know that the 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 thing that's just kind of dominating uh, you know our imaginations and, and our attentions uh, you know um, is this this is the guy who who created at least half of it and um, and then uh, you know what makes his life so relevant is you know sort of like what what's left today you know like like um, like the content creator, like, like, you know, everybody's a content creator now. And this is, this guy is like the ultimate content creator. He sat in his basement at a table with a blank piece of paper and created universes that, you know, uh, uh, went on to, to, um, kind of like, you know, um, grow and grow and grow into these, you know, almost like, you know, parallel universes. Uh, it's, you know, it's incredibly inspiring and it's, it's, you know, very relevant. And I I just think it's so funny that there's so much about Jack that, you know, we're still discovering all these years later. And like, you know, some of his work that has been so overlooked, like recently I came across, uh, thanks to the suggestion of Eric Larson, the Black Hole uh, newspaper strip that he Mm -hmm. did. No one ever talks about it, and it's never been collected in like a physical format. It could be like you know a one-shot comic or something, or like something. I don't know, but it could work as that, you know? Yeah, they were um, they were running it in like 
Disney had a magazine or something, or maybe it was Nickelodeon magazine. It was like some like this magazine in like the late nineties, maybe early two thousand. They collected, you know, they they they'd run it, uh, which was like very odd inclusion. But I was excited, you know, to see that stuff, you know, finally seeing print. And then um, I have like um, there's there's like a French uh, reprint. It's um, you know sort of like big, almost like a you know children's book kind of kind of reprint of it. So I have that, you know. So it's like um, you know, it's like the whole uh, the whole story just, just you know in a language I can't read. And then um, and it also Jack Kirby's name appears nowhere in it. It's it, wow. you know, Disney's black hole uh, uh, in, in this particular uh, this particular version, which was like, this was sort of before Disney bought Marvel. So like, it was kind of, you know, when, when Disney did buy Marvel, it was kind of like, oh, this is a, a scary uh, uh, view of the future. If, if uh, you know, this, you know, like, a, like the, the Disney book will, you know, remove, uh, you know, any mention of, of, of the creators from it. But, but uh, thankfully that, that hasn't come to pass. And it's, you know, going back over to your work as well, does it ever not, or how do I say, it? does it ever not be cool when it's, you're going to another country and you're seeing your work in a different language, different format and all that stuff, just repackaged and, you know, in cool new ways? Oh, yeah, that's always a thrill. Like, yeah, I, lo- I love when, uh, yeah, there's there's some, uh, you know, uh, you know foreign translation of it and, and, you know, there's usually like a new cover design and then just sort of, you know, seeing it with, with you know, different, uh, you know, alphabet or whatever, you know, like, it, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, yeah, that, that, that's always a thrill. Well, awesome is a good way to describe this book. Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics, written and illustrated by a huge Jack Kirby fan, Tom Scholey. Thank you very much, Tom, for t- taking the time to talk to us. It's on 10 Speed Press, Penguin Random House, and we really hope that you're able to get out when everything is cleared for uh, personal signing and that stuff. Yeah, that would be fun. Tom, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Um, I'm at Tom Scholey uh, on Twitter, and then I'm at Tom underscore Scholey on Instagram. All righty. So for The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Tom Scholey. And I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior. It's Obsessed with Marvel. Tom Scholey, our guest. Addition. Addition again. And I don't mean subtract. Multi- anyway. All right, Ooh, here we go. Sometimes funny, you're not, Eddie. I think, well, Tom's done this before, so we kind of have an idea. Question 1049, and it is Who is. Hang on. Utgard Loki. As in U T G A R D hyphen Loki, L O K I. Who is Utgard Loki? Is it Loki's true father, the King of the Frost Giants? Loki's son, or the king of the storm giants? I'll try that again. Who is Utgard Loki? Loki's true father, king of the frost frost giants. Loki's son, or king of the storm giants? Um, it, it now it, I'm thinking this is all part of the same answer, but it, it's is it um, Loki's father, king of the uh, frost giants? Is that that's all one thing, right? No, there's four choices, so it's. Oh, so that's two. So Loki's father and then King of the Storm Giant. I mean, King of the Frost Giants are two different things. Yeah, well, three actually. Now that you mention it, <laughs> or Loki's son is the fourth possibility. I don't know. I, I have two kings in here. I'm thinking it could be one of oh, those. You know, you know what? Um, it's it is Loki's. I believe it's mm, no, maybe I'm because um, the Midgard Serpent is 
Loki's son, I think, or something, maybe Utgard. Mm. This is confusing. I'm going to guess it's Loki's father, and it's Loki's father. That's my guess. Loki's true father. All right, Peter. Well, you, yeah. s- you said uh, two kings, and I know that's better than two princes. Oh, two uh, princes. Spin doctors, anyone. Yes, okay. <laughs> Which had uh, Jimmy Olsen's blues in it, so just so you know, no, there's another... I, I certainly have the blues. I'm not talking about Kraft Macaroni and... Uh, I'm going to go with Tom's answer for that, because... And blue is the color of both of our t-shirts, by the way. The same kind of royal blue. Tom didn't know that, but now you do. Neither did the audience, Eddie, because it's an audio show. Thank you very much. All right, so you want to trade Loki's true father? Let's go letter A. Here we go. No, the answer is B, King of the Frost Giants. Look at that. See, I was halfway there. But half points don't count. Okay, so let's dial up and go to ding 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 one thousand seven hundred forty-five. Which real life figure appeared in Supervillain Team Up numbers six and seven? And we're talking nineteen seventy-six era. Was it Richard M. Nixon, Doctor Henry Kissinger, Leonid Brezhnev, or Mao Zedong? Who, which real-life figure appeared in Supervillain Team-Up 6 and 7? Richard M. Nixon, Dr. Henry Kissinger, Leonid Brezhnev, or Mao Zedong? Um, I'm, I'm going to say Nixon. I mean, he he, he was in uh, a number of, of Marvel comic books, but I, I don't know. Yeah, he was. I think. I think he was more in a. I was going to say along of a spoof nature, but I, not was, necessarily that title. But yeah. I've seen Kissinger in comics. And I was yeah, Mike. Mike was in uh, that. Uh, one of the Captain America. I think okay. he was in like Jack uh, Return to Marvel. Captain America Kissinger shows up. Yeah, I think number two hundred because I just got my hands on that one. Oh, really? That's the one. Yeah. We have a Nixon. We have a Kissinger. My gut was going with Mouse Say Tongue, but I don't know why. I will not go with Kissinger. Uh, I was thinking maybe it could have been a borderline a bad person, supervillain team up. Maybe I don't know. See if they can all get together. Who the heck knows? We'll go with Nixon. We'll go with letter A again, Nixon, and it is not correct. The answer is. Where'd it go? Hit Kissinger. Yeah. Oh, Henry Kissinger, <laughs> how we're missing you. Look at that. Okay. That makes us 0 for 2 as far as what we hit as far as the answer goes. All right. We're running about true to form here. And number third question here is 1197. And it says, where is Genosha located? Is it off the west coast of Africa? Is it South Africa? Is it the East Indies, or is it off the East Coast of Africa? Where is Genosha? Isn't it the East oh. Coast? Off the West Coast of Africa. Is it South Africa, the East Indies, or off the East Coast of Africa? I just read uh, uh, Extinction Agenda. That's why. So it's like fairly fresh for me. Uh-huh. I think it's East, isn't it? You're saying East what? Yeah. East Indies? East Coast of Africa? Indies. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, yeah, I... I just read the um, the Jonathan Hickman X Men, like the most recent. Do I have that right? Yeah. Or is it mm-hmm. Jason Aaron? The one with the charts Hickman in it. Jason Aaron. But yeah. it's like the most recent X Men uh, and Genosha, you know, is in it. And, and I have no idea, like, no idea whatsoever. Like, I, I was thinking maybe uh, South Africa, but yeah, I don't, like. I mean, if it's Hickman, it's par for the course to not understand. I'll, I'll go with you. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think they, they mention a, a geography for it in that comic I read. Mm-hmm. And, and it could move in, in this version. It was like, uh, oh, no, maybe it was Simpson. Maybe it was Krakoa. Yeah, yeah Krakoa uh, was Hickman. That, okay. That's what I'm thinking of, Krakoa. So, yeah, I have no idea. Um, uh-huh. 
It feels like the Indies. feels like the Indies. Well, the closest Kenosha reference I have is having seen... Is that seen... a Reagan in there? Well. No, no, it's just, it's just that having <laughs> having had that mentioned in, a, in an episode of X-Men Animated Series. But it doesn't actually give any damn location. So let's just... I'm going right along with this this time around. Rolling right along. Don't and going with uh, letter C, East Indies. Kenosha! No! Well, shit. <laughs> the answer is off the east coast of Africa. See, I knew the east. <laughs> Maybe a half point there. So we've got one out of three, perhaps, if we really, really stretch it. Not really. Let's try to have one right and, and give us a fourth and, and final question in this pain. Narrator, they, they will, will not. not. Misery and torture. Uh, 530. Okay. Armbar. Who was once a heroic version of the Green Goblin? Was it... Dr. Barton Hamilton? No. Phil Urich? Yes. Was it Ned Leeds? No. Or Jason Mackendale? Nope. Yeah, Heroic Green Goblin? Yeah, I don't... Oh, That's fuck, the... we don't have you, Tom. Come on back. Yeah, hello. Hello, am I there? Uh, almost, yeah, oh. pretty good. Hello? There you go. Hello? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, the Phil Urich... And I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards that. Like, no, any relation to Ben? I mean, it is. It's his son, I think. Because re- I, I read the uh, Green Goblin '95 run when uh, I was going through my Spider-Man reread post uh, Clone Wars. What was Clone that Saga. the independent, uh, the individual Green Goblin title? Yeah. Oh. With a with the uh, chromium cover. Um, uh, yeah, on my list of stuff to read. What about is ten issues? If that, not even twelve. Uh, twelve. Okay. Um, you're you're right. We, we're both. I think we're all going to be Phil. Phil Urich. Letter B. Thank goodness we got one out of four. Hell of a, okay, awesome, yeah. hell of a spittoon hit. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Thank you again, Tom. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome.